Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I had someone who took my hands one time and held them and said, okay, talk. And I couldn't do it. Somebody else said, can you teach while sitting down? I said, I don't know, but we'll try it. So, Sunday night, sit downs with Preacher Mike. And we'll just see how long this lasts. How long can I sit here without going absolutely nuts? We'll, we'll find out. And we'll see how it goes. First of all, David's back. Good to see you, man. Everything went well, I guess, in Guyana. Fantastic. Okay, we look forward to, to hearing about that. I'm sure, having been there, you're loving coming back to this weather. Yeah, for you, I know. I know, for you. David is one of those guys. Uh, he would probably drive my truck like my son-in-law did and turn the air conditioner on in the middle of the winter. So that certainly is not me. All right. We're talking about peace and the idea of how can we find peace when life is so chaotic. I want to begin by reconsidering Matthew 5, verse 9 for a minute. I don't right off see the people to whom I am referring, but, oh, yeah, there's one. So apparently I may have uh, misspoken, and I want to make sure everybody understands what I'm saying about Matthew 5, 9. Do you want to be a peacemaker, or do you want to be a peacekeeper? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God. A peacekeeper, at least in the way we use the terminology, is not the same as a peacemaker. A peacekeeper is concerned about the moment. Right now at this moment, nobody's fighting. Nobody's arguing. There are no troubles. Now, when you leave here, whatever happens, that's not my job. I'm a peacekeeper. I take care of this. So I would suggest that the way we use peacekeeper is more of a, an external concept. I just want to have everything look good, be smooth. It's all right for the moment. And that's peacekeeper. But Jesus said we need to be peacemakers. And if there's a difference, this is what the difference might be. That a peacemaker is concerned about the future. The peacemaker is looking down the road. It's more than the moment. It's more than these people are not fighting. Therefore, it's an internal concept. It's, it's a thing that says, I want to prepare the way for the future not to be chaotic, whether you're here or you're there. 
And so I think God is calling, Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers. And by doing that, he is calling us to think internally. Not externally, but internally. And if we can produce peace from the inside out, then it has an opportunity to be effective in the roads that are coming. But if we're only concerned about the outside, then it's very momentary. It doesn't last. And so I think the point that I want to make, it seems to me from the text, is that God wants us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And if you have more concept, more thought about that, I would love to hear the distinction and see what you think about it. So, then for tonight, how do we find peace in a chaotic situation? Now remember, we're talking about being peacemakers. So, what can I do from the inside out? What can I do for the long term? What can I do to make a, an environment of peace? Not just control what's going on in the moment. Well, we first of all must understand that it begins inside of us. We have to be at peace. You and I have to find our own peace. I, I can't make peace if I'm not at peace. So it begins, as we said this morning, with being at peace with God, by being right with God, by being in Jesus Christ, by being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, those kinds of things. I think the things that draw us together, there, it occurred to me, thinking about this, that some people come to a gathering like this just to keep the peace. You ever thought about that? Mom and dad are hopping on me all the time, so I'm just going to show up and get them off my back. Or my conscience bothers me if I'm not here, so I'm just keeping the peace. That's an interesting concept, isn't it, to me? I mean, the idea of saying that I'm here because of external things, just to quell it, just to calm it down, my conscience is internal, but it comes from external sources, parents, friends, my reading of Scripture, whatever it is, anything to create a peacekeeping for the moment when we gather together. So I don't know, when we think about peacemaker, peacekeeper, I think that is fascinating. So, but you and I need to be comfortable with peace. You and I need to find a way internally to be at peace. And once we are, we then can reach out and begin creating the environment of peace moving forward. So what I want you to do is turn to Romans chapter 12, the passage that was read. And I found, and I, I'm absolutely certain, that there are many other things that could be said. But in Romans 12, I want to give you three things that Paul said that if we will do this, we will find peace in a chaotic situation. Now, remember, 
we're looking at internal, long-term. Internal, long-term. Every one of these things take time. They take a long look. They are, by definition, things that aren't just immediately, necessarily, going to cause peace. But they are all things that if we will spend the time and we'll keep going, we can find peace in ourselves as we think about how to be at peace in a chaotic situation. All right, number one. Here's what I think from verse 17 at the first part. Repay no one evil for evil. You know, the first thing that I think we can do, if, if I'm trying to find peace, I want to be a peacemaker, then I'm not going to add chaos to the chaotic situation. I'm not going to add fuel to the fire. I'm not going to make it worse by inserting myself in an improper way. Now that seems perfectly uh, logical to me. If I want to be at peace, if I want to be a peacemaker, then I'm not going to add chaos in a chaotic situation. Well, that sounds good, but what does that mean? Repaying no one evil for evil. Well, let me give you two or three ideas. How about this one? Are we adding chaos to chaos if we're holding a grudge against somebody? Seems like to me we would be. Very clearly in Leviticus in Mosaic Law, God said, do not hold a grudge against your brother. Well, if the chaotic situation is one that involves relationship, it involves something going on interpersonally, maybe I get away from it. But I am holding a grudge on that person. They may not know it. I may not talk about it. But who is hurt by the grudge? Me. I'm hurt if I hold it. And if I am holding a grudge, can I be a peacemaker? I don't think it's possible. Because I'm not at peace. It's bothering me. I'm torn up. I can't sleep. It constantly is on my mind. Whatever is going on. And when I see that person, what are you thinking? If you see them in a store, what are you thinking? If you come to worship and they're sitting across the pew from you, do you move? I mean, holding a grudge to me adds chaos to the chaos. How about this one? Am I willing to take a loss? Am I willing to take a loss? Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talked about that very idea. And he wants us to understand that I have to be willing to take a loss. Verse 38. You've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. 
Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks you from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. Are you willing to take a loss to be a peacemaker? Sure, our possessions are important, necessary. They represent some kind of sacrifice that we have done to get them. But am I willing to take a loss in order to have peace? If you want to be a peacemaker, then we need to figure out a way. There are times when I'm just going to take the loss. It's okay. That's on me. I can handle it. I can deal with it. And peace is much more likely to come in that kind of an attitude. So just take the loss. How about this? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's see here. Now, I'm not going to have, don't want to have a legal discussion because this begins or gets into a potential legal court situation. I get it. But listen to what Paul said. Verse 1, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? In other words, can't you figure out a way to get this adjudicated without airing our dirty laundry? Again, I don't want to have a political, I mean, yeah, or a political or a judicial discussion. I want to have a principle thought. I'm not sure that this text is even addressing the verdict of a jury or a judge. I think it is addressing the concept of why do you always have to prove that you are right? I think that might be the principle here. We've already said you can take a loss, yes. But sometimes we do things that we do because I'm going to tell you that I'm right. I'm going to show you that I'm right. Now look, check this out. See, I was right, wasn't I? Well, if it's a matter of Scripture and a matter of God's will, then stand there and fight tooth and toenail if you have to. But outside of that, don't always live in a way that says, I have to be proven right. If you know you're right, if you feel and accept the fact that how you have done or who you are, you're good. If nobody else understands it, can you take that? Or does that drive you crazy? Can you be at peace with that? If somebody else just thinks you're wrong, 
Do you have to go prove that you're right, or can you simply say, I'm good. I know me. And which one is more likely to be a peacemaker? The peacemaker can say, I don't have to prove all the time that I'm right. I already know. I think that's one. Go back to Romans 12. The second part of verse 13. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Not only should I not add chaos to chaos, but if I want to be a peacemaker, I actually am going to say, okay, here's a chaotic situation. And I am intentionally going to insert something good in this situation. Intentionally. Now, I have never noted, I have never thought of this passage this way before. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. In the context of love your enemies, verse 44. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what God is doing there, I think? He has intentionally inserted something good in the lives of people who are opposing Him. God intentionally says, you're not doing right, but I'm going to let the sun warm you up. You are outside. You are a heathen. You are not doing anything close to what I want, but I'm going to give you rain to grow your crops. Did God insert something good in the midst of chaos? Absolutely He did. Can I insert intentionally something good in a chaotic situation? For instance, if I have a problem with someone, and it's just sort of an ongoing thing, can I write them a note and highlight or compliment a good point about that person? When I'm talking with someone, can I say something good about that person? Oh, I, I'm feeling the bad because the relationship is not good. We're having a problem. But can I find something good about that person? When we're having a chaotic relationship trouble with somebody, if we would just, for a moment, stop and say, okay, here is something I appreciate about this person. Here is something that this person has that really benefits. Oh, I know we've got some trouble. We're not doing well, but here is something good. 
Let's make it even maybe tougher. Can you and I, whichever side of the political spectrum we are on, can we find a way to say something good about the other side? Or do we just argue from our standpoint that you need to come to my side? And I'm not saying that we have to give up our situation. I'm saying if I want to be a peacemaker, can I practice inserting a positive inside a negative and be able to say, yes, this is something positive. This is a negative thing. I don't like it. It's not good. But here is something good. Does that change it? Do they quit being negative all of a sudden? No. But what it does, it produces more peace in my heart. It trains my mind, I think, a little bit differently because now I'm concentrating first on finding something good to say. Here's another one. If you want to find peace in a chaotic situation and you want to insert something good, pray for those people. Pray for that situation. You know, it is hard to have really hateful attitudes about someone you're praying for. You ever notice that? If you can keep that person's name in your heart for prayer, there won't be any room left to think of that person in a hateful way. So we can insert something good right in the middle of that chaotic situation simply by stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to pray for you right now. Maybe not in their presence, but just in your own life. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You want to be a peacemaker? Be the first one to try and fix it. Make the first move. Chapter 7 begins talking about do not judge because you're going to be judged by that measure. And then he says, how can you have a beam in your eye and go take out a speck in somebody else's eye? First of all, remove the beam from your eye then you can go and fix the speck in your brother's eye. Remember how this is intended to be understood. Jesus is not saying, your sin is bigger than theirs. You have a beam in your eye. They have a speck. You're so concerned about their little sin, but you're not concerned about your big sin. That's not what he's saying. This text is saying... If you start talking to someone about a situation and a problem and a sin, they will see you as though you have a beam in your eye. It's written from the perspective of the other person, not from the perspective of Jesus. Jesus is not saying, your beam, because yours is bad, there's a speck because it's not so bad. It's not written from the perspective of Jesus. 
It's written from the perspective of that other person. And that other person is going to always see what you have as a beam. Why? Because you started talking first. You dared to say something to them. What are you talking to me for? Look at you. That's the mentality. So, if I will make the first move, meaning check the beam in my own eye first. Make sure. Be a peaceful person. How can I be a peacemaker if nobody sees me as a peaceful person? If we're talking about peace and I'm wanting to be a peacemaker and nobody sees me, they see me with this big beam in my eye of not being peaceful. You don't have peace. How can you try to make peace in this situation? I think that applies. So make the first move and try to fix it as best you can because that's number three. Back to Romans 12. Verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If you want to be a peacemaker, if I want to be a peacemaker, you know what I need to do? I need to let everybody see how peace looks on me. That's my job. If I'm a peacemaker, how does peace look on me? When you were, if you were to, to be told to draw a picture of what peace looks like, what would you draw? I don't know. But how would it look on you? Draw a peaceful person in your mind. How's it going to look? Well, start in verse 3. I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If I'm going to be a peacemaker, then I have to be at peace and not think too highly of myself. I'm at peace. I'm content. I'm confident, but I'm content. But I'm not arrogant. I'm not a problem. If I'm going to be a peacemaker, it begins by saying, here's how peace looks on me. I can be confident without being arrogant, without thinking of myself more highly. Notice the text. Then you ought to think. The text says to think highly of yourself, but not more highly than you ought to think. That's how to be at peace. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If you want to be a peacemaker, take the gifts that you have and put them to work. When you are working in behalf of an environment, you're working in behalf of a group, you are serving the church, you are creating a peaceful situation. You want to be a peacemaker? Put your talents to use. Let people see it. That's a peaceful look when a person can just serve. They can just do it. That's peaceful. I know of some things. I'll give you one right now. I'm not going to give names, of course. But I know a situation one time where somebody was in trouble. 
And a person walked up to me and handed me a $100 bill and said, I want you to go take care of this, but I don't want you to tell anybody I gave it to you. That person was at peace. That person had inner peace. Because they said, this is what I want to do. Didn't need anybody to know about it. Didn't want anybody to know about it, but says, here it is. See, when you take your talents and your opportunities and you put them to use, it comes across as being a peacemaker for that group. Look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Learn, hard, work hard at not being hypocritical. Man, it is not peaceful to find people who are hypocrites. It just creates trouble. It creates turmoil. It creates chaos. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Now, every one of us has to admit that if every one of us knew every detail about every other one of us, we would all be hypocrites. But what we're trying to do is to be better. Don't put on a face, hypocrites. Don't put on a face like you're performing in a drama production. Just be who you are. Be honest. Be open. It's okay for people to know you hurt. It's okay for people to know you failed. You may not want to give every detail of every failure that you've ever done, but since we've all failed, we can all empathize. I may not be able to empathize with your failure, and you may not be able to empathize with my failure, but I can empathize, we all can, with failure. Look at verse 16. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. I like this last phrase. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It's not peaceful if in a situation people think that I know everything or that I don't value their thoughts. If, if I think I've got it all figured out and you think that that's how I'm coming across, how does that produce peace? If we can all say, okay, your thoughts are valuable. Mine are valuable. Let's put them together and we've more than doubled our value. Don't be wise in your own mind. And then, of course, verses 19 through 21. Keep your anger in check. It's okay, according to Ephesians chapter 4, be angry, but do not sin. But you've got to keep it in control. It's not possible to be a peacemaker through yelling and screaming. Because yelling and screaming is a peacekeeper. That's what they have to do. They have to yell and scream above the din. But if we want to be peacemakers, we've got to keep our anger under control. I've got to control my tongue. I have to control my actions. But more importantly, the long haul, the long view, I want to control my attitude. I want to control the feeling that I have. I want to control my heart internally moving forward. Now, I'm sure that there are a whole lot of things that we could do to find peace in a chaotic situation. But I think these are 
three pretty powerful principles. And you can add a lot of specifics to these three that are here. Because peacemakers begin with peace in your heart, begins with peace in my heart. When I am a peaceful person in the midst of chaos, at least in that situation, there is peace. It may only be right here. It may only be right there. Chaos is going, but there's peace right there. And maybe that peace would influence one here and one there, and then they would influence here and here. And before long, there's less chaos and more peace because one person was peaceful. I am now, I started out not at peace sitting here because I kept wanting to get up. But I'm at peace now. In fact, I just want to sit here. It's pretty good, pretty good. I'm sort of where y'all are now. I like it. Maybe you're ready to be at peace with God. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. Maybe your life is in chaos. There's no better place to find peace than right here in this group. No better. Not because our church is better than any other church. That's not the point. You're not anywhere else. You're here. And for right now, this is the best place you can be to find peace. I promise you. We're here, ready to help. Our shepherds want to help. Let's stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.